I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm KSL's Debbie Worthen. Four years ago, my son Asher was diagnosed with autism. After getting our footing, we decided it was time to celebrate the news with all of you. And that's how Celebrating the Spectrum was born. Each week, we consult with the experts and others who are learning to navigate life with a loved one who has special needs. This is a place where we find hope, look for solutions, and connect with those working to create a better world of inclusion. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Celebrating the Spectrum. I am very excited about today's guest. She is truly inspiring. Charlotte Deleste and her husband, Ron, live in Madison, Wisconsin, where she's a news anchor. Their son, Giovanni, is the reason 10 years ago they founded a nonprofit called Geo's Garden. And I'm excited to get to know her today. Charlotte, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. This is great. So we have a mutual friend, Amy Reed, who you worked with a while ago, and she's now a producer here at KSL. When I started the podcast, she's like, Debbie, you have to talk to Charlotte. She's done this amazing thing. And then she's like, here's her number and you can figure out the rest. <laughs> so so you sent me a link, which I actually watched of, of a story that your co-anchor did when you celebrated the 10 years of Geo's Garden. So we're going to get to that in just a second. So let's talk about your son, Geo. Tell me how this all started oh my goodness so he was born in october of 2005 and everything was perfect and then in december of that year he started having um it sounded like uh like nightmares i guess mm. you know like he would wake up in the middle of the night maybe like more like night terrors and but by he's the time just he a little guy you know, he's like two months old him, we nothing was happening and eventually gosh fast forward like six months later uh ron says to me uh it was during the day he goes i was feeding him and he had one of those episodes in front of me and it looks like he was scared and the best way we could describe it it's like a little kid is in a big store and lost their mommy and it's just terrifying. Oh, okay. And uh, so we stayed up literally for a month. We got uh, one of those video baby monitors and um, had a little camcorder back in the day. And we, anytime he would move, we would turn on that camcorder to record the video, the screen to see, can we catch this? Finally, we did. And then in May of 2006, we had an appointment with our pediatrician just to go over some stuff. And it was toward the end. We're like, oh, by the way, can you check out these um, these videos? We think that he's having night terrors um, and we, we don't know what to do about it. And so she looked at the video and she looked up at us, Debbie, and I will never forget this. And she said, those aren't night terrors. Those are seizures. Oh, my gosh. You need to get to the hospital right away. What and were you like, thinking what? at that point? Well, at that point, uh, I was. It, I felt like I got hit with a bag of bricks. And and then she, everything she started saying after that sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> Just that wah, 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 wah. I'm like, I don't know what the heck is going on and what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you kind of just go through the motion. And then, you know, the nurse takes you. Uh, we, we ended up going to the hospital the next day to get a quick 30-minute 
EEG and we got the results the next day and they said that he is having seizures and here's some medication and by this time he's only seven months old but are you thinking like oh my gosh he's been having seizures for months I wish we would have recognized that yeah yeah oh yeah I felt like a terrible mom at that point like like we just got started and already I'm (laughs) failing mother of the year here no and like my poor baby has been seizing and we had no idea because they are not the seizures that we think seizures are you know that we've seen on tv that they fall to the ground and they're convulsing and all this horrible stuff you know we learned that there is like so many different types of seizures and people could be having them right in front of you and you had no idea yeah that's crazy so he um we ended up having a an uh, mri because they wanted to see like okay well we know he's having seizures let's see if there's anything in his brain we had an mri and they found an arachnoid cyst which basically they don't do anything. They are just in between the lobes of the brain. So um, they just exist. And okay. But they said that, you know, there's, it shouldn't do anything, but there's nothing else there. So they gave us the option. Let's go in and take that, um, that cyst out and let's just see if it works. And so he had his first brain surgery at 10 months. Oh my gosh. And, and is he your he, first child? Yes. Oh my goodness. My first baby. Wow. And so uh, he had his first brain surgery at 10 months. And in hindsight, that cyst didn't do anything. Hmm. Um, He ended up having uh, two more brain surgeries. Um, Let's see. He was uh, 10 months at the first one. I think he was like six years old in the second one and then 12 years old for the third brain surgery. I don't know. It's like they all run into each other. Fast forward, he ended up um, being diagnosed with Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which is a rare form of childhood with no known cure. And so we have gone through all the gamut of the medications and everything, and nothing really works. And it it was to the point that he was having over 100 seizures a day, every single day of his life. And there was no learning happening. Um, He, uh, you know, was falling way behind on those uh, milestones that you're supposed to be taking. Um, And then we also got the diagnosis of autism. So because like one can kind of sort of produce the other, but who, which came first, the cart or the horse type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, at this point, just throw all, throw all the diagnoses in at this point. Um, We've got a big wagon. And um, so we ended up, so he, he just had lots of, so much therapy, so many surgeries, the surgeries, even the brain surgeries caused him paralysis on one side of his body. And finally, he's gained up to about 80% of movement back um, on his one side. Um, some of his language has started to come back a little bit, but developmentally, he's three years old in a 17-year-old body. Interesting. Um, okay. And uh, with Lennox Gusteau, at least back in the day, um, uh, a, a specialist had told me that the uh, life expectancy for someone like Gio would be about 20 years. Hmm. Um, he said that uh, most likely it would be a seizure that would take him out. Um, like, it's really weird because he kind of like played out the whole scenario. He's probably going to have a seizure. It'll happen in the bathroom. He'll hit his head and he'll be in the hospital and he'll end up dying from complications of pneumonia. And I was like, well, isn't that thrilling? <laughs> Um, so, uh, and how, so, yeah, how old was your about... son when you're getting all of that news? Oh, three years old. Okay. So let's, let's talk about what you and your husband go through. 
when you start <laughs> because you know the thing is when you have that first baby especially you, mm-hmm. you know you just everything you think is going to be perfect you know you hear right. there are those moms that have a, a kid with complications it's never going to be you and yep. you know and but i do think as a journalist we we do sort of have this heightened worry <laughs> because we cover oh, yeah. so much all the time you know i remember i was like barely pregnant with my oldest and I did this story on conjoined twins and I was like mm. I need an ultrasound today <laughs> you know yeah. am I going to oh, have conjoined yeah. twins but it is it does take a toll on the relationship what was that like oh my gosh it was it's still to this day I mean we're lucky we're still married <laughs> you know that's that's not as common for uh those with a special needs child um but it was tough. It was really, really tough trying to navigate this um, together when one person's up, the other person's down, mm-hmm. um, vice versa. Um, and also, I mean, there's a here's let me throw a wrench into all of this. I grew up with a sister uh, who has special needs. Mm-hmm. And so th- I this has been my entire life. Um, my my sister and I were like seven years apart. So I've been in this world for well over 40 years. She has Down syndrome and autism um, on the extreme side. Um, she's what, 43 now and um, still lives at home right. with my mom and she's highly dependent. So so I kind of felt like I was almost equipped for this. Right. I was going to ask you that. Do you feel like that experience with her helped you oh or or it yes. was kind of like. I don't know, made it worse because you have a really real picture of what life could be. Oh, I mean, what, what? Yeah. yeah. You know, Debbie, it's, it was both, mm-hmm. you know, first off it was like, okay, you know, I can handle this. I've, this isn't new to me. This isn't my first rodeo in a sense. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, geez, like lightning can strike twice. Mm-hmm. Don't ever say it can't. Yeah. And then you get to the, this isn't fair. Yeah. You know, well, it's kind I, of like the I, stages I never, of grief. I never said the two words, why me? Yeah. But I was just like, come on. Come on. This isn't this isn't right. So it's like when when can this family lineage get a break here? Yeah. So um, but then you, you you can't you can't stay there long. No, you can't you can go back and you can go back and visit every once in a while. Yeah. You know, that's what I always tell people. You can go ahead and go in that room where you want to just have that pity party and mope and and (laughs) scream the screams and feel all the negative feels and and just be as ugly as possible. But then you got to come back out with that smile on your face and be like, you know what? I got this. And you do. The thing is, you do. And they need you. You know, you're the Mm -hmm. one. You are the you and your husband. You're the ones. Okay, so so he's 17 now. At what point did you think? We need to do something here because, you know, you're so overwhelmed. You have all this going on. And really, the day to day is a huge challenge. I'm not going to say struggle, but it is a challenge. You have all these expectations that really, you know, most couples don't have. At what point we're like, we need to do something and we can handle doing it now. Yeah. So it was. um, So both of my boys, I have two boys, Gio uh, and then Benicio. They're three years apart, born the same day. Hmm. Not planned. Uh, I'm not that talented, Debbie. Um, and so Benicio was great. He is a spunky, spunky baby to the point that he's also colicky. So I'm dealing with this colicky baby and a kid who, a, a Geo who's seizing. At that point, he was seizing over 30 times a day. Hmm. And the, most of these seizures are happening in the middle of the night. So there is no sleep happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also, 
I also was dealing with postpartum depression, but it was undiagnosed. Oh, so you were feeling it, great. Sleep oh, deprived, postpartum was, depression, colicky baby. I mean, do you look back just and like, just think, how did I get through that? Yeah. Oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, and like, I'm surprised that like the universe just didn't take me out at some point. <laughs> and, um, but it was, it was at that time when, so Gio had turned three, I had Benicio dealing with all of this stuff. And then we got this magical packet in the mail from the state of Wisconsin saying that, you know, what Gio is uh, now qualifies for all these different services. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading about respite care. And I was like, well, what the heck is this business? And it said, like, you know, a nurse can come to the house and help take care of your medically, you know, a challenged child and stuff. And I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> right. So I, um, so I, I, I called them up and I'm like, uh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. They sent somebody over to do the intake. And, you know, it's really depressing because then you're seeing like how, um, how your child is not doing. And all these things that he's he hasn't reached, and you're like you're reminded of all. Yeah, this I, I hate that kind of stuff. You know, and it, it does happen. Horrible. Yeah, it's it's it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. and so she was like, "Okay, I will enter all of this stuff into the system, and I'll let you know how it turns out." A week later, they they call us up and say that he only qualifies for five hours of respite a week. Okay. Um, and that every year on his birthday, he'll get more time. And by the time he's six, he will have 40 questions or 40 hours, no questions asked. Okay. And I'm like, okay. I said, can I take those five hours like in one day? Oh no, you have to, it's only one hour a day. Oh my goodness. What's the point? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, exactly. Debbie. I'm like, you can't do anything in an hour. I'm like, who can take an hour? A, a nap in that, you know, no. enough, that, that time. I mean, this is ridiculous. And so I said, okay, well, this doesn't seem right. And I said, there's gotta be something wrong. And I'm like, what can I do? And she's just like, well, no, um, we find that, uh, Gio is not disabled enough. Hmm. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, what, what qualifies as disabled enough, which just seems pathetic. Well, I hate the terminology that that we hear a lot. You know, I've heard some people on the show saying just to call it a difference would just be the kindest thing ever rather than a disability. Uh, (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not disabled enough. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's what is your where's your bar hanging here? So um, I said, okay, well, then what do I do? How can I appeal this? And she's like, well, if you appeal it, you have to go to court. I'm like, are you kidding me? And she said, no, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I said, so what do you think? She's like, I suggest you just, you take the hours because at least it's something. And I was like, oh, heck no. I'm like, this is, this isn't fair. You're like, this is not my personality. No. To just take that news. (laughs) Yeah. And if there are other people out there who are hearing the same things and, you know, and then dealing with like whatever demons that they're battling. And I'm thinking, I, you know, admittedly, Debbie, there were times where I'm thinking my baby is crying so much. I want to shake him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to shake him. You're losing your mind. Stop. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do this. But what if there are other people out there who don't have that, that stopgap measure for mm-hmm. themselves? So um, I said, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. So um, I 
was talking with other people telling him about this. I'm like, there's gotta be something that we can do. And um, so I was talking with a nurse, talked with a, a speech therapist, um, teachers, other parents of special needs children who also were like, yeah, we're in the situation or we know someone who's in this situation. And so we got together and we're like, okay, if we could develop something to help families, what would it be? And of course, everybody threw everything out there. It was like the perfect place right, for everybody. Right. And it was ridiculous. And I'm like, okay, this is fantastic. This is utopia, but we can't do that. So if we just, you know, funnel it all down, what is the one thing yeah. that we can start with? And that one thing was respite mm-hmm. because it was the whole concept. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of someone else. Right. And Debbie, you and I, we, we've been in news for all these years. We have read those stories mm-hmm. where, you know, parents end up losing it for one reason or another or yeah. a caregiver. You know, it's just there's just something there and you just don't know when somebody's going to snap or lose it. And have you been surprised and, at times? Because I think, you know, I've done those stories for years too. I have always mm-hmm. felt like, well, I'm not that person. I'm always going to oh, be fine. Gosh, yeah. You know, and then you uh-huh. get into these situations like you're talking about where it's just like, I'm about to lose my mind. I need help. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's lonely and there's no one to help me and no one can handle my kids. And I don't even know yeah. what to do. And anytime I walk out the door, I'm paying 50 to to $100 for someone to come and watch my kids. And it's just oh, felt yeah. like... There's got to be a better way, you know, Mm -hmm. which sounds very similar to how you and these other parents were feeling. Oh, yeah, very much so. So, I mean, that was one of the biggest challenges. And so we were looking around like, hey, is there is there another program in the country that has something like this? You know, um, was there? Let's look at all of our. No, Hmm. we were like, okay, how can we design this? And like, you know, do we're going to go to people's homes or or do we we didn't want to daycare. We didn't want to do babysitting because, you know, these kids, they don't need a babysitter where you and I, when we were teenagers, Debbie, we would go to somebody's house, maybe play some games, but watch. TV, right? And <laughs> no, you know, just on their cell phones the whole time. Exactly, yeah. right? So, but now it's like, no, these kids, you can't leave them alone. They need twenty four seven like eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it was also a place where I'm thinking, where would I feel comfortable sending Geo to? Yeah, that's the big thing too. So, yeah, like who can take care of my kid better than me? Nobody. But I'm going to try to make sure that I can find somebody that is close to it. And that's another thing, too, is like, you know, I, you know, I never wanted this. Of course, I wanted this for Geo, but I couldn't openly fundraise. Like, hey, people of Madison, Wisconsin, can you give me money so you can help take care of my child? Yeah. Like, that just didn't make any sense to me. Um, Just knowing that there are so many other people out there who are so tired um, that they don't have the energy to use their voice to Mm -hmm. ask for help or, or beg for help or whatever, or they just, there's just so much pride. Yeah. You know, they're like, Oh, it's that you've heard this before, Debbie, somebody else can use the help more than me. We're not that bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're doing okay. And it's those people who are like, Oh, we really need the help. Yeah. We really need the help. We're trying to keep that stiff upper lip. So, but there was nothing else in the country. And we decided, okay, we're going to have a home where people can bring their child to and feel like an institution yeah. or a facility. And it's going to be one-on-one like, hi, we're really excited to see you. And um, what are you working on at home with your therapies there? 
or what do you need help on? Like, do you just need help sitting? Just mm-hmm. look, you know, working on that core strength. Yeah. Do you need help taking that first step? Do you need help making eye contact mm-hmm. with someone or using your sippy cup? Or let's just do some, let's play with shaving cream. Let's do the different feels and right. textures, anything. So that's what we we decided to do. And then there was no one else in the country doing this. And we're like, okay. So let's do this. And so we just, it was literally grassroots yeah. and we just started fundraising. Um, and, you know, we, we did let the, the, the county and the state know, Hey, we want to do this. Maybe we can join forces somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they had offered like, Oh, you know, yeah, this would be great. We can help definitely fund this, but we'd have to play under their rules. Right. They would tell us, how to run the facility and how to take care of these kids. And I said, Nope. I'm like, you can't, you can't even take care of my child. Right. Right. So I'm like, you're not going to tell me how to take care of these other kids. I'm like, this has been my wheelhouse for most of my life. So you can keep your money. You can keep your rules. We're going to do our own thing. Charlotte, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we, she's talking about the lead up to Geo's garden. That's what this place is called. And so we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are back with Charlotte Deleste. She lives in Madison, Wisconsin, and 10 years ago, she started what's called Geo's Garden. Her son, Giovanni, was the reason behind all of this, and she's been talking about how she and other parents kind of started getting to this point where they realized what they would want when it comes to respite care. And isn't it funny, Charlotte, how you hear that term respite care? It's like, what does that even mean? I don't even know that I've ever heard that term, and then how valuable it can be. So when I was watching the story that, and and we'll put a link to that as well because I think that story is so oh, great just just really shows what you guys do my first thought was wow this seems expensive so how did you get past that hurdle how did you get from the point where it's like this is what we want to do this is what it needs to be we don't want to take state money because we want to do this the right way um, but we need to pay for it yeah it was literally you know I tell people I'm like I don't have a business degree. I never started anything. All I do is I read words for a living. So it's like, I just have the story. I have a story about why this is needed, why this is important. But then I found other people around me who are a thousand times smarter than me and know what they're doing. And they're like, okay, we're going to do this aspect here. I got the business part. I got the attorney stuff, all this. Um, And it was literally Debbie just going out and telling the story. I could not believe um, that people actually won. They made time mm-hmm. and they actually listened to me. Um, and it's because it's, you know, it's so hard. There are so many nonprofits 
all over the place, but especially in Madison, mm. we have the most, I believe, per capita. So oh, wow. it's like the, it is for getting anybody's dollar. It is a huge challenge. And it's um, interesting. And and not, you know, not everybody has a special needs someone in their life. Right. Um, or they just just not even, you know, on their radar. But when it comes to like, you know, animals, wow, everybody can associate with animals. You got and, that right. you know, my best yeah, friend, right. my best friend has her own nonprofit for, for dogs uh, with cancer and she makes hand over fist money, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, if I could have a quarter of that, that would be right. fantastic. You, you know? need to get a mascot. So, you need to get a dog there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I do. I think, yeah. Geo's dog will be next. Yeah. But um, so, you know, it was, it was, it was hard. And so our goal was simple. We're trying to just make this simple, nothing fancy. Um, 250 grand was what okay. we were looking for. That was, that's what you we needed. Found, we needed that for a house that we found um, and then for, for staff. Because really, when you say like, you know, uh, money's going to operations, you hear that all the time. And mm-hmm. people think, oh, business expenses. Our operation expenses are people. Right. Because our program are the respite workers. They're the ones. So, uh, you know, so we were finding people, um, rest, uh, recreational therapists, occupational therapist, speech language therapist, mm-hmm. o- uh, physical therapist, all, art therapist, all those people that your children will need to have in their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're going to get you that, that, um, that jump start, even if you're already having services or you're not in the system yet, mm-hmm. we're going to get you going. Um, so we, we limited the amount of, of kids that we could take. So we only could take eight kids at once, um, during a four hour time period. That's how we would, uh, break out the day, okay. like morning, like an afternoon and an evening. But so those parents and, would get that four hour chunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you and imagine? You can go out and, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we're located by a shopping area, yeah. restaurant. So there are things, Costco is down the street yeah. from us. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you can drop a ton of money at the church of Costco is what I call it, <laughs> you know, and spend all of your money all right. the time yeah. there. Yeah. So, um, so we're in a really good location and parents can go out and spend that time with their other kids who, you know, it happens. They get ignored. They do. Um, your significant other go on a date and be like, Hey, I'm Charlotte. Who are you again? Mm -hmm. You know, um, taking a nap, getting your hair cut or just sitting outside and listening to nothing would be fantastic. And so what we did at the beginning, um, we, we did it all for free. We didn't charge the families because just from our experience, Mm -hmm. We were our expenses were drained, right? Because we didn't get you know the the um, the waivers or whatever um, the grants and stuff right away, and and you're spending all this extra for these different things because you are so desperate to try to find a cure for something or mm-hmm. or some type of tincture that might help. Yeah. With something that insurance won't cover, mm-hmm. you know, you're just looking for the next magical potion. Um, and so we know that families are already strapped. So it's like, if we can help them out with this, then we're going to do it. So we did that for many years, but then it was not sustainable. I was wondering, so, is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you do? Yeah. We ended up doing a sliding scale, mm. but still offering, we offered scholarships. 
Great. So, um, so that's what basically you know, our, our fundraising, we would say, okay, you're paying for the programming and you're going to help pay for scholarships and you're going to pay like, Hey, one month, you know, for $2,000, give somebody one month of respite, mm-hmm. you know? So we break it down like that. Hey, you want to give Olivia, here's Olivia. She does, you know, eight sessions, you know, can you fund Olivia mm-hmm. for however many sessions? So um, that we have found to be uh, really successful. And then now the county has bought into the program. Wow. So now we are an option. So mm-hmm. um, people who get a, a waiver from the county can choose to have some of their money spent for their respite at Geo's Garden. I'm sure that's so, been a game changer. Yes, most definitely. That like we're actually we're being recognized that, you know, it's like we're not here to to try to steal anybody's thunder by any means. We're just trying to to help, you know, bridge that gap because there are too many. I mean, there there are lots of services out there, but there aren't a lot of people within those services. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm yes, saying? Debbie? Because mm-hmm. there's just not enough right. workers mm-hmm. and the burnout, the burnout is so great. I right. mean, we personally have problems finding help for geo here at home. And, and I can tell you the same is it holds true for geo's garden. Mm-hmm. It is hard to find people. Um, and, you know, and we're going to be particular. We're not, we don't right. want to be just a, a, a factory type mm-hmm. of thing of, oh, here's somebody with, you know, a, a warm body and a, and right. a beating heart. It can't that be that. Watch a child. No. Right. No, 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 no. Ever the standard is high. The standard is high. It's like if you are not capable of taking care of Geo, then you're not going to take care of any other kids. So it's like I don't I, – I look at everything like if you can take care of my kid, then okay. We'll hire you. Yeah. You can take care of these other kids. How many kids so, are you serving now? Oh, well over 100 families. And what is it like for you personally to see this, like, just continue to oh, succeed and to thrive? You know, when I I will go and, and visit, sometimes I'll pop in and see the kids. And my heart, it, it does all these different things. It jumps for joy. <laughs> it melts. It cries. Um it's it, to see that these kids are happy, that they're taken care of, that they're learning, um, and that they're experiencing something that I think a lot of kids haven't been able to get. Um, and it, it just makes me happy that this is here. Um, it, you know, we're, and I know we're making a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we, we, we keep in touch with all of the kids, you know, they graduate when they turn seven years old. Um, and we keep in touch with them because it's one of those things where it's just because you graduate doesn't mean like, okay, you're off to the next right. good luck. Yeah. See you later. Right. It's like, you know, we, we still have, have our hand in, in the cookie jar in a sense, just to make sure everybody's okay. But, you know, like an example, Debbie, like of, um, of a family that we helped, which I had no idea that it would go this far. I thought it would just be some families just like mine yeah. who just needed some extra care because there's nobody else around, right. no family around, yeah. no friends mm-hmm. that can take care of them. We had some um, grandparents who ended up getting uh, some temporary custody of their twin grandchildren who were living in Chicago. Uh, they're three years old, and um, the parents were very 
bad uh, into drugs. Okay. So bad that they locked these twins in the basement in dog cages hmm. separately. And apparently these cages, that's actually putting it nicely. They were basically plywood boxes, but the, the front door was like those, those dog doors. Um, and they never got any socialization. I, I mean, imagine basically it's like Tarzan, yeah, a baby Tarzan. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to be with humans. Um, and so we got them. And when they were at the house, it was obnoxious. We would have to separate them out from the other kids. Mm-hmm. We'd have to lessen the amount of kids we were allowed in the house because it turned out to be not the greatest, the safest situation yeah. for the other children. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that's the thing. You know? It's like the human brain. It's it. Yeah, it's been uh-huh. damaged. And, and and you know, and these grandparents are like, uh, they're probably so in over their what head. Do we do? Oh yeah, can right, you even imagine? Right. They're just and like, we don't even know. Yep. And so at this point, we're like, okay, you're going to get all these evaluations, get all the labels you can get all right. the diagnosis, the more the better, because yep. the, exactly, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that you fight in the beginning. Yeah. You're like, no, no, no. But then you're like, no, 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 no. Give them to me because <laughs> right. then I get more services. Yes, you I get, get more resources. More exactly. You know, like, how sad is that? But we're like, take them all. And don't be offended. And so, you know, we, we, they, we got them the services. And then those services were coming to geos hmm. to work with the kids there too. So it's like, just get everything. And we got those kids school ready. That's the wow. whole point. Get these kids so they can stand in line and wait, stand on that red, red circle that has a number two on it. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands to yourself. You know, all that. They learned how to do that. They learned how to play with other kids to the point, Debbie, they started getting those labels taken away. And what was that like for everyone involved to watch that transpire? Well, first it was like, oh no, you know, it's like how horrible Mm -hmm. and can we do something? What can we do? And, but then by the end it was like, dang, this works. This works. (laughs) This is amazing. It it worked. It worked. And it's like, we saved, we helped these two kids, you know? And it's like, it's such a beautiful thing. And it's like, okay, if we close the doors right now, we helped. Yes. Right. Right. We made a difference. And isn't that what people want to do? You hope that. You know, yeah. I, I find it fascinating, though, that when you were creating Geo's Garden, you knew this would never be for him. This would all right. be for other kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty philanthropic. That's a good heart when you're like, it's not going to help Geo, but this is what we needed and we can do this. Yeah. You know, and I think back to uh, growing up with my sister, Michelle, and, you know, my parents emigrated here from the Philippines. They had no family. And then my sister was born and uh, it was rough. Mm -hmm. And I can think back to seeing my mom and the troubles that she had raising my sister, not having anybody around and realizing now 
the, my mom was sad at times. Mm-hmm. My mom did cry, you know, and, and thinking my mom could have used this help back oh, in definitely. the 70s. Was, yeah. Think how little you there know? was back then. I mean, hasn't there oh, been a part of you yeah. where it's like, okay, if there's ever been a time to have a child with disabilities, mm-hmm. it's now. I mean, oh, at least gosh, we have yeah. research and, and yeah. you know, supports you know? and a, a tsunami coming our way of inclusion societally mm-hmm. oh, that yeah. is just monumental. Yeah, that it's like you know, there's no more separation. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be separated. In St. Louis, where I'm from, my sister went to a school where it was it was just a school for special needs, mm-hmm. three to twenty one years old. That's all. That's it. There was no inclusion. Well, yeah, so I, like, I, what, yeah. You're not setting. You're not setting up these humans for success. No. No, for whatever no. that could be down the road. I joke that it was like, you know, back in my days in junior high, it was like the gym coach was with all the special needs kids. And I mean, <laughs> with mm-hmm. zero skill to do anything, yeah. it's just like babysit exactly. these kids because we don't know what to do with them. So I am so thankful for all the research. OK, so what have the biggest challenges been here? And I think you've already asked this question. I had this down. Would you do it again? Mm. Biggest challenge? Definitely raising money. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to get people to believe in what you do and to become a consistent donor. Right. That's that is one. Um finding finding people um to work mm-hmm. because again, you know, it's it's tough. It is hard hard work. Um, especially like, you know, we have had some of our, we call them, you know, some of our geos friends, some of them have passed away. Hmm. You know, you get attached to these, to these little, little humans and you love them just like their own, like you're like, they're your own. And then, and, but you know, they're also sick. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with stuff. And then, you know, so losing, uh, you know, your kids, yeah, that's really, really hard. Um, and I think also just personally, what's hard to see is the need, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to close, I want to close so badly because it's exhausting right. to, to you know, it's exhausting. You work full time in a very demanding, very showy type of business, right? right? There's a lot of expect expectations mm-hmm. on us. And then you've got your family which you were spread out all over the place. And then, you then you've got your little side gig, right? Which is really like the thing. Yeah. 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 And so, and so would I do it again? My gosh, you know, I want to say no, Debbie, but no, I do. do I would absolutely. Yes. Yeah. How could you not, especially seeing the success that these kids have had and the help that has given these Uh families. How could you, how could you even consider not doing it again? If you had that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And then I just think of what what could have happened if there was nothing like this right. to those families. Yeah. Where would they be now? Mm. So Yeah, you made lasting um, change. That's amazing. Yeah, I might not hear about some of it, fine, but you know, if that's all we want to do, just make a difference, make a positive difference and hope that it just keeps going and right. somebody else will do the same down the road. So I always ask this question at the end, but what would you like to see the future bring in terms of inclusion and acceptance for the neurodiverse people in our lives? Oh, you know, it'd be great that there's no more conversation about it, that mm-hmm. it's just, it's just, the it's norm. just it just is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not nothing that we have to shine a spotlight on anymore. It's just an automatic 
I think. Um, I think it should just be an automatic blending right. of anything. Like an example, I've been trying to get Geo on the football team for three years now, not to play football, but just to be uh, a water boy. Part of or, something. He says, yeah, be part of a team. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's a great cheerleader and says he will come to you, come up to you and he will smack you on the back, pat you like, good job. Good job. He doesn't realize he's doing it so hard, but he's like, he's so supportive. Right. He could be a total like, hey, good job, quarterback. Yeah. Or, oh, you'll do better next time. Like just to be part of the team and to not only be, you know, to see what it's like, mm-hmm. but for all those other people to see what it's like to be in Geo's world. Yeah. So it's when, you know, I, I, I say that, you know, this is Geo's world and we just live in it. Mm-hmm. So, and I would love other people to experience that, not just Geo's, but everybody else's right. world. Like right. that. It should just be an automatic. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. Okay. If people want more information or if they want to donate or if they mm-hmm. want to start one of these in their community, how, oh do, they get, <laughs> how do they get in touch with you? Um, they could definitely go to the website, geosgarden.org. It's G-I-O-S-G-A-R-E-G-A-R-D-E-N.org. Um, website there. You can also find me on Facebook. Just Google Charlotte Teleste. You'll find me there. And also, we're having a fundraiser on Friday, December 9th. It's our biggest fundraiser of the year. It's uh, live, in person, and worldwide. Debbie, I will send you a link. Yeah, send us a link um, for since, sure. Since, since the pandemic um, you know, we've had to change our fundraising um, strategies. And so we literally put on a show. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. You'll have some uh, some videos from celebrities across the country saying, like, doing a shout out for Geo's yeah. Garden. We've got bands doing videos, especially with specially crafted music, some uh some covers for the occasion. It's really, really great. So we're just, we're going to be celebrating 10 years of Geo's Garden on Friday, December 9th. Um, And that's, yeah, it's literally from, you know, like Potosi, Missouri to the Philippines. We're getting, um, you know, donors and stuff, which is fantastic. And just to shed the light of just like how great this world can be. Right, right. No, you're absolutely right. It's a great learning experience exposure and awareness. Yeah. Thank you for all you do. Thanks for coming on. I mean, really, just so inspiring. I I know the life you live because I partly live it too. With the, yes, except I don't do. have the nonprofit, but it is um, rewarding and challenging and all the things. <laughs> but yeah, but for you things. to be doing this is, I mean, what a service that you've given and given to your community, and it you are creating a legacy with Geo's Garden. Well, well, thank you for doing what you do for using your platform and using your voice to just shine the light of all of this stuff. I mean, you are doing something equally as fantastic. So I tip my hat to you, Debbie. Well, thank you so much. Okay, Charlotte DeLest, thank you. And Celebrating the Spectrum is a KSL podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.